0: To call somebody salt of the earth is generally taken as a compliment. When we say, oh, he or she is salt of the earth, we're calling them hardworking, right? Down to earth, eager to lend a helping hand. Merriam-Webster Dictionary defines the phrase salt of the earth as referring to a very good and honest person. And of course, you don't have to be a biblical scholar. To know that this phrase comes from the very lips of Jesus himself, from the Sermon on the Mount, as we just heard. But while it's a good thing to be hardworking, down to earth, willing to lend a helping hand, while it's praiseworthy to be a good and honest person, is this what Jesus means when he calls his disciples the salt of the earth? Well, I'll say this, he certainly meant more than down to earth, hardworking, good, and honest. But to understand that, we need to think back or take a look at how the ancient world uh, understood salt. Salt for us is a condiment. It's cheap and inexpensive. It's something we use to season food. In the ancient world, salt was necessary for society to function in a way that it's not today. In an age well before there were freezers and refrigerators and ready, cheap ice. Salt was the way that food, all kinds of food, but especially meat or fish, was preserved from rot and decay. If you wanted to have a supply of food, we all need food to live. Cities need food. Then you needed salt and lots of it to ensure that that served that food survived and was edible for a while. And this would have been especially uh, well known along the coast of the Sea of Galilee. This was a place, uh, the Sea of Galilee, where fishing was a huge industry by in uh, the ancient world. And the fish that were brought in from the Sea of Galilee, they wouldn't go to fresh markets, Galilee's very hot. They wouldn't last very long there before they started to rot and decay. No, they would be salted, then they would be shipped out all over the Roman Empire by the time of Christ. So, my point in all this is, if you're someone who lived off the Sea of Galilee, near where Jesus preaches the Sermon on the Mount, and you hear this phrase, salt of the earth, the first thing you're going to think of is how needed salt is to preserve food from rot and decay. And the connection would have been a little bit easier to make. Jesus calls his disciples the salt of the earth because they are to preserve society, preserve the world from the rotten decay of sin, just as salt preserves food from, the rotten, from rotten decay. How on earth are we to do that? Well, St. Thomas Aquinas said that the exhortation, you are the salt of the earth, this described the apostles and really any disciples' duty to keep others from evil. But when Jesus warns, uh, warns us, he says, if salt loses its taste, with what can it be seasoned? It is no longer good for anything but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. He says this is his warning, that we must keep ourselves from evil as well. We must preserve our own hearts and souls from the rotten decay of sin. And that's not something we can do by our own effort alone. We need His grace. We need to turn to the Lord in prayer frequently, daily. We need to frequent the sacraments, especially the Eucharist and confession. We need to do penance and works of charity. Now, we keep others from evil by being willing to bear witness to the truth. And goodness of the faith, by both our words and our deeds, by being willing to speak the truth and to live it and allow that example at times to speak for itself. We must do both. right We must live in such a way that it bears witness to the truth. and goodness of the faith. When the situation calls for it, we must be willing to use words, right? to bear witness to the truth. We must be willing to say, "Yes, I believe." Jesus Christ is God himself incarnate, that he was born of a virgin, that he died on a cross, that he rose from the dead. Yes, I believe all that. I believe that he founded the church. I believe that he's really, truly, and substantially present in the Eucharist, that he's the way, the truth, and the life. No one goes to the Father but through him. Or it could take the form of of being willing to have a hard conversation with a friend who strayed from the straight and narrow And we're called to love our neighbor, and we must, at times, love our neighbor enough to tell them the hard truth. Then, of course, we bear witness to the truth and goodness of the faith by how we live our lives. Right, and so Jesus gives another metaphor, the light of the world, uh, and he says this, let your light shine before men that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. He's not saying do good works for the sake of getting the applause of others, no, Rather, he's saying that the good works we do, we are to uh, live in such a way that those good works are seen as bearing witness, reflecting on the truth and goodness of the faith. And in so doing, can preserve society from the decay and rot of sin. Now, I know it's a little bit abstract, so let me give a historical example of the church, the community of believers doing this. By both word and deed, bearing truth, uh, bearing witness to the truth and goodness of the faith, and it having a profound effect on society in the ancient world, um, in the Roman Empire, when it was pagan, uh, there were dark and disturbing parts of Roman paganism. There were dark and disturbing parts of, of a lot of different pagan religions, not saying that 's all that was present in them, but they certainly had their, their parts in it that were dark and disturbing and this didn't so much reflect on the on the pagan religion but this practice there was a practice of infanticide in the ancient roman empire if a family had a baby they didn't want or for whatever reason uh, the practice was that they would abandon the, the child and the child would die of exposure this was a brutal and, and, and heartless thing but it was not controversial it was seen as just the way of the world um, Christians, when, when Christians first came around, uh, they would often take these children into their own homes, raise them as their own sons or daughters. As the church began to gain more of a foothold in society, as persecution ceased, you know the church built institutions, right, to combat this. Orphanages sprang up, shelters, hospitals, etc. Then, of course, all of this was accompanied by vigorous preaching and teaching on the dignity of all human life and on the grave immorality of infanticide. And it didn't happen overnight, but eventually infanticide became less common. Eventually it became unthinkable. Generation by generation, by word and deed, the Church, the Assembly of Believers truly acted as the salt of the earth and the light of the world. And in this case, not only did they preserve society from the rotten decay of sin, but, but this is where there's a, there's a jump in the analogy. Salt does no good for a, a, a piece of meat, for instance, that's already rotted. You're not going to pour enough salt into a rotted piece of meat to, you know, undo the rot. But that's what happened here. By the power of God, for whom nothing is impossible... Uh, this society, which had a strong disregard for human life, gradually came to see the the evils of infanticide because generation after generation of Christians were willing to preach and teach the truth on the dignity of human life and the immorality of infanticide and were willing to act on it by taking this incredible responsibility and, and taking these children into their homes, building institutions to care for these children. This is what it means to be the salt of the earth and the light of the world. You know, one one final point I'll say on all this is there's a very real sense in which our prayers can be the salt of the earth. Prayer changes hearts, enables us to resist temptation, to follow the straight and narrow. And that is true not just for us, but for others as well. In heaven, we will see all those who benefited from our prayers The more we pray, the more the church prays, the more she's acting as the salt of the earth. So as we continue with Mass, let us pray. Let us pray for the courage to bear witness to the truth of the faith by our words, for the grace to live the Christian life in such a way that it bears witness to the truth and goodness of the faith to the world. And let's pray that God may give our society the grace to be preserved from the rot and decay of sin and that we might become the salt of the earth and the light of the world.